Welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about A.A. Ron fucking up so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we've read The Amorous Intrigues and Adventures of Aaron Burr by Anonymous. Joining us to discuss this 19th century real person fan fiction is Mackenzie Lee, bookseller and author of The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. Hello. Thanks for joining us, Mackenzie. Yeah, longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs> Very excited to be here. Literally, Mackenzie was talking about the existence of this on Twitter one day, and I was just like, oh, we're going to do that for Worst Bestsellers. And she immediately was like, who's the guest? And, I then I, the guest? and then I wormed my way in. <laughs> like, if I play all my cards right. By asking politely. <laughs> Well, and we were like, oh, Mackenzie's already been on the podcast because we've already re- recommended her book like six times. <laughs> so in spirit, yeah. she's been on. And, and also she was actually on in the live episode. Yeah, that's right. Which was done on my book story. Yes. Did I shout something from the audience? You, you introduced us too. Oh, I introduced. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that part. Yeah, the actual part. More, more I'm just a, a rowdy audience member. So that's what I was expecting. <laughs> So, see, you all know Mackenzie. We're all ready to go. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Kitty. <laughs> um, yeah, so I volunteered for this, and then as soon as I started reading it, it was like, I have no one to blame but myself for the fact that I can't put this down and stop reading it as I, cho- as I choose. Like, I have to finish this. Yeah, there are times when we feel bad because we've talked someone into reading something they never would have picked up on their own, and then there are times when someone volunteers and we have no blame. Well, I had <laughs> I had definitely started perusing this because I had tweeted about it. I knew about its existence from the tumblers, um, but I had sort of like dipped into it, and then uh, when I started reading it as like a thing that I would have to discuss on a podcast, I was like, this is a mistake <laughs> because now I have to read all of this and I have to like retain it <laughs> as much yeah. as like if I had been reading it on my own, I probably would have dipped in and out a couple of times and been like, this is a strange historical relic and then moved forward as opposed to like exposing myself to this <laughs> entire book. I feel like it's with like Chuck Tingle where you're like, oh, that title and that book cover is so funny. Well, time to move on and, like, look at another tweet. And then to actually, like, read a whole yeah. Chuck Tingle book. I was like, well, this is a lot. And this was, like, that times a hundred. 19th century Chuck Tingle. <laughs> yes. But I guess we should actually say what this is in case, for whatever reason, <laughs> you're not familiar with anonymous 19th century erotica fan fiction. <laughs> Berotica. 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 Please use the correct <laughs> You can't have a pun that right and not say it every possible time so this is it is that is literally what it is it is an anonymous book that is just instances of Aaron Burr stumbling across young mostly virgin women and having sex with them and then he gets up from that one and he turns the corner and there's another one there so he has sex with her too and that that is the whole book it is just none of which are true as far as I could tell. Like no. none of these women are, are real people. No. None of these were real encounters Aaron Burr had. It's sort of like we had the author, whoever the author or authors were, had like a general timeline of the life of Aaron Burr and then at one point copied and pasted from somebody's memoirs about <laughs> Aaron Burr and then other than that just like in- inserted random sexual activity. Because I, the interesting thing about, I mean, obviously all of this is kind of like a bizarre, interesting sort of, this exists, but um, actual real life Aaron Burr was married twice, both times to women older than he was and to women who had been married before. 
So it's not like, like in this, it is all young virgin women that he is deflowering and that is his MO. And in real life, like his, he was deeply devoted to his wife, Theodosia, and I think less so to the woman who came after her. I would, but... say, I, would I would fight you on deeply, deeply devoted to Theodosia. He had like several illegitimate uh, children when he was married to Theodosia. And Did that... I know that? I did know that. Yeah. yeah. He did love her a lot though, and he was got it when she died. Well, sure. Those two things can yeah. coexist. <laughs> Um, and Theodosia's in this book for, like, two sentences. And you don't even see any of his, like... You know, you would think you're writing this whole historical fiction porn, like, whatever. Like, why not have, like, a sexy wedding night scene or, like, whatever. Nah. Also, the fact that his daughter Theodosia was probably kidnapped by pirates <laughs> is never mentioned, which was disappointing. What is interesting is that the th- the time that they mention his wife Theodosia is, like, one of the most interesting things about her that has nothing to do with him, which is um, when Benedict Arnold and John Andre's plot against America was discovered, his wife, uh, Arnold's wife, Peggy Shippen, pretended that she was so shocked by this and she couldn't believe it, and she, like, was fainting with the shock and the horror that her husband would do this, totally pulled one over on Washington and all the people who were with him, including Hamilton, where they were like, oh, this poor woman, she couldn't have been involved because women just can't, her they don't poor have... poor woman brain. The, the brain scientifically that. smaller than man brain. Yes. <laughs> so they, like, let her go, and she left and immediately went right to Theodosia's house, because at the time she was married to a British officer... And was like, you wait, will wait. not. I feel like I've seen a musical about that. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you will not believe what these idiot American assholes <laughs> just let me get away with. <laughs> and they include that anecdote in here, even though Burr has nothing to do with it. And they don't even try to like tie it into his many sexcapades. It's just, by the way, this so, happened. So what you're saying is this is a subversive <laughs> feminist novel. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, okay, the other thing that I want to highlight about this is when I first sort of heard that this existed, I guess I had just assumed that it was written, like, while Burr was alive and it was some kind of, like, slander attack on him. But it's, it's 1861, like, Burr's dead, and it's just, like, why? Like why? I just love that it's it was written in 1861, so, like, the country is in civil war, <laughs> political turmoil, people are dying by the thousands, and then there's one person out there who's, like, champagne life is like, I'm going to write some burr erotica. Like, this is what our country needs right now. I mean, I can't knock it. The world is the on The world fire. goes on, and here we are reading burr erotica. And so. writing maybe stuff. Who knows? Who could say? Are you writing Burr Erotica? I'm not writing Burr Erotica. Anyway. Dad, <laughs> I would never write Erotica Aaron Burr. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, uh, one question I have, and do you know, was this published serially originally, or was it published as a book? I don't know, but I it has no to idea. be serially. There's, there's no plot structure there's no way you could read this as as we did, which is, like, as one chunk, because it all blurs together. As I was, like, coming over here trying to remember the plot that I, of this book that I had read over several days, I was like, they are literally all the same thing in my head. It's all the same women. He do, It's the same description of breasts and throwing up the skirt every single mm-hmm. time. Like, it had to have been serialized. 
Yeah. Again, I can't help but think of Chuck Tingle. (laughs) (laughs) History repeats itself, man. (sighs) Yeah, okay. What? What? Where? What was I going to say? Who knows? It's gone. I just, I, I just want to say, like, I thought this book was was gonna be fun and hilarious, and it was, and then it got deeply upsetting. <laughs> like, I just found this book so upsetting because it is so much like nineteenth century virginal women reluctantly, like, fi- actively fighting against his sexual advances, but then he presses hard enough, and they give in. And then they, like, it's it's like rape culture personified in yeah. this book, which I get is, like, kind of the way of 19th century erotica. And even beyond, I mean, I think I think it's fallen more out of fashion now, but in, like, uh, even, like, you know, 90s, 2000s romance novels, you would see a lot of that, no, I don't want it, yes, I do, and just sort of allowing the woman to kind of... Uh, it's, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, still I, so much a thing. I just saw a list on, I think it was... Glamour.com, because, yes, I do read Glamour magazine, because I'm a modern woman. Yeah. Um, that was something about, like, 17, some random number, um, like, romantic comedy heroes who, uh, like, se- not sexually assault, but, like, are sexually aggressive or inappropriately sexually aggressive towards the heroine that we, like, glamorize as romantic. And, like, one of them was, like, Princess Bride. And I was like, oh, no. But it's true. He's, like... So I said that really loudly. I'm so sorry, <laughs> podcast listeners. Um, but it was like a really good list, and it um, made me think very seriously about a lot of the like ways we glamorize um, that sort of behavior even today in the movies. We're like, are so romantic and so lovely, and I think one of the things too that made it stand out to me over because we've read. And I've also read just outside of this, like, lots of that sort of like, oh, no, like, I don't want it. I do secretly want it. But because it's from his point of view, Mm -hmm. we're not like a lot of times those books and those romance novels and even sometimes the movies are from the women's point of view. So you know that they do secretly, like, you know, which is how they always hand wave. Well, she really does want it. She's just saying, which does not make it any better. Regardless of what she's saying, he should be listening to her. But because we, we know the entire time that it is the advances are actually, um, they are wanted. They're not unwanted advances. It feels better. So they, they are like, they are wanted advances and that all of the the um, no, no, don't stop is just for show. Whereas here, because we are getting it from Burr's point of view, we just get the women saying no, 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 no. And then like going limp and getting into it or whatever. Well, and also clearly whoever wrote this has such like a boner for Aaron Burr or at least this like Aaron Burr they have <laughs> created in the mythos of their weird head canon um because every description of him even just like instead of saying like Aaron Burr walked down the road it's like the handsome youth swaggered gallantly down the street turning heads at every every angle it's like what is happening like dial it back (laughs) it's excessive it's like you know those tweets going on that are like if male characters were written like women characters and it's like he woke up and like his dick swayed ballishly like in his <laughs> pants or whatever like it, you know it's kind of that oh yeah, yeah. I was, you like, said that and I was like was that a quote from this book yeah <laughs> right? that's really how he is if you had to take a shot for every time there's like swagger or gallant or <laughs> any sort of like those like heroic charming chivalrous words to describe Aaron Burr just like moving through the world 
while we're taking shots, um, the euphemisms for vagina in this book Holy shit. are fucking amazing. Yes. The word secret charms is used a lot <laughs> and other qualifiers for charms. I wrote down a list. Paradise, Venus, the gates of love, voluptuous beauty, sacred spot, swelling loins, the beauteous spot which promised joys and raptures which cannot be described. <laughs> But this book's going to try to describe them. <laughs> yeah, in spite of not being able to describe them, that, yeah. that is no barrier to describing them at length. I've been telling a lot of my friends that I've been reading this book um, because I like to uh, confess to the weird things I do um, and want we, everyone, we in, my, I was like, I want everyone in my life to lose respect for me. So I've been telling them when people say, what are you reading? I very honestly say erotic Aaron Burr fan fiction. Um, and I've been trying to explain it to people. And I keep reading. I took this like a screenshot of this paragraph on my phone because this is how I keep I keep reading this to describe to people just how bonkers this book is. First of all, he always like flings up the woman's skirt because also it's the um, 1700s, so everybody's wearing like 85 layers of clothing. And he's always just sort of coming upon them. Like. Yes, he just he stumbles upon women who are just ready as much as they say they are. So this is what I've been like reading to people is, Birth threw aside the envious drapery that concealed charms which might have seduced a man of ice. The cluster of raven threads which heavily covered the Mount of Venus contrasted beautifully with the white round belly and the large alabaster thighs, while the two breasts stood up hard and firm. The lovely neck invited his eager lips, and the blue eyes rolled with wild desire and tender impatience. Like, pick one thing. (laughs) You don't get all the things. Pick one thing to, like, describe with too many adjectives. I do appreciate, like, how, and I know that this is a time period thing, too, but how, like, he's always like, oh, like, she was chubby, and that was great. Oh, like, he's, <laughs> he's talking about the nun at one point, and he keeps going on about, like, how it's, like, voluptuous, voluminous, round. Like, yeah, he's 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 very into the, the Rubenesque women in Which, this like, book. Which, like, good. Good for him. That's good that it does one thing, I, right? I know. I did, think, <laughs> I did think that about this book. I was like, there's no body shaming in this book, and that is a nice thing I can say about it. Is this the most fat-positive book we've read for this podcast? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> That's magnificent. Especially compared to... Um, the last book that we we recorded these out of order that we read was the Lizzie Borden book. Oh yeah, that was and that real was fat shamey. Super shamey. fat shamey. Super fat shamey. So, it's better to be a murderer than a fat person. Yeah. He also talks a lot. He, not Aaron Bird, the author of this book, <laughs> anonymous, anonymous, <laughs> um, who I'm pretty sure is like the ghost of Aaron Bird who came back to <laughs> write this. I mean, um, sounds like his mo. Talks a lot about feet in a way that I think is also a, a Vict- is that a Victorian thing or is that like just like a a like a, it's still a weird fetish thing but yeah. why I mean, not I know, like the well-turned ankle thing is a very like but it's like he's describing he'll be like he'll be and like calves also he's into yeah. calves but it's like look at her breasts look at her calves look at her thighs look at her feet and it's like one of these things is not like the other <laughs> like one of these is not an erogenous body part on a woman in the way that you're describing. <laughs> Maybe I don't have the right fetish, but, like, every time he was like, I'm like, listen to him describing women's bodies, and then it's like, feet. <laughs> no, thank you. So I guess we should try to describe the plot. There is no there plot is no for plot. this book. It's just a set of amorous adventures and intrigues, I guess I would say. 
That's what it should be called. Um, but it, it kind of starts <laughs> off with just background on Burr. Like, legit oh, yeah. biographical background where it's like, he was born to, like, these parents, and then his parents died, and then, which I did think it was interesting, there's a line early on that's like, no boy had, like, a better childhood, and the next line is like, and then his parents died, and he went to live with a distant relative. But he, so he, like, goes to live with these relatives, and then he gets educated, and then while he's educated, he goes to stay with a preacher. You you might say he's educated. He graduated two years from Princeton. Wait, (laughs) what's the quote? I can't do it. I wanted to do what you did, graduated in two, then joined the revolution. Yes. Except this bar uh, took a, a side, a little detour from the revolution to have sex with lots of women, before he got there. You might say he participated in the Wars of Venus before the Wars of Mars, as this book says multiple times. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so the first woman that he falls for is the daughter of a preacher who he's studying under or something. And it takes him a little while, but he does like convince her to like bone down and then immediately like has to leave and she gets pregnant and, like, tries to write him about how she's pregnant. And, like, he doesn't get the letter. He's, like, waiting to hear more from her. Yeah, he's, like, totally ready to send fun slash alimony. But he, like, doesn't have a return address. Okay. And then she gets kicked out of her house by her parents. And then she dies. And then, like, a week later, the baby dies. But he didn't know. Yeah. It's it's very... It is a, a weird note to open your erotic book on is... <laughs> it's a weird way to set someone up to yeah. be the hero of your novel. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, I, well, yeah, like, is... I mean, it is so horny for Burr. But also, <laughs> is it a pro-Burr? Like, is he the hero? Or is this a story about him being a dirtbag? I mean... Or no, no, I think it's so... I think that the author seems so obsessed with this like swag this is why I think it was written by a dude is because they're so obsessed with like the heroism of taking these women's virginities like he's not presented as a slime bag in this at all he's very amorous and intriguing right. one might say <laughs> and um the the thing too that makes me think that he's presented as a hero is at the end um spoiler alert for real life history Burr, like, went a little off the rails. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, and that's, like, maybe maybe two pages. The last, yeah. like, six years of his life are, like... <laughs> Except that they... What they do is they excuse all of, like, the weird shit that he got into by being, like, oh, like, he was having an affair with a married man's wife who he thought was, like, really hot, and so they tried to, like, bring charges against him because of that, when really... Definitely not, because he tried to make himself emperor of Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was... That's why he was charged with the... Like, it wasn't really what the history books want you to think, which is what makes me think they're putting him as the hero, yeah. in addition to how pro the descriptions are. Um, but Jesus, I can't so remember gross, what though. women he meets. I think it's, it's okay, I'm Angelina. Yeah, next is, yeah. Angelina, next is Angelina, who he meets on the road, and she recognizes him. And then they, yeah, and, and then... he pretends to recognize her, yeah. which I, I could see that, like that, that was a mirror image. That is me. Like, oh, remember? Yeah, I totally remember from the thing where I met you. I know who you are, definitely. Uh, and it turns out, like, she eventually admits, like, no, like, we didn't meet, like, I recognized you from, because you're such a brilliant political speaker, and I'm so in, well, enamored yeah, of yeah. your words. 
And then he's about to take her virginity, and they get cock-blocked by a guy, like a guy on, who comes riding down, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, nope, just hanging out. And he's like, oh, great, I'll walk you. And well, like, it's, it's mm. more than that, because the guy is a doctor. And oh, that's like, what it is, yeah. Oh, my lady, like, she needs help because she is, like, startled by a horse. And the doctor's like, she seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she is, she's like super into it. Like she is ready for him to take her virginity. Um, unlike some of the other women who he'll meet later. So he, after that, like tries to come up with excuses to see her, but like there are like dogs on her estate that chase him or something. Yeah, there's, a, there's sort of like an animal montage yeah. right there. <laughs> he like I also, runs into all these animals around town. I also, I want to bring this phrase up because I'm not totally sure what it means, but I want to use it every day. And um, it's uh, the the uncle of the girl or some relative of the girl is a reverend and he doesn't want to disrespect the clergyman because in those days, a regular minister of the gospel was, quote, some pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> And so that I, was the inspiration behind the David S. Pumpkins. Right. Oh, that's yeah. what he asked us for. Yeah. David yes. some pumpkins. <laughs> and I, I get from just from, you know, context, it seems like it's how, you know, like, oh, he's like, I don't know, like, well, I'm listening to it, the third Diviners book right now. So I'm deep in like 20 slang. But there's like, oh, that's the berries when something's good. It's like in the 1860s. That drink is some pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> that new Charleston dance. <laughs> I, I feel like that's what they mean, and I want to start using it. <laughs> Just start using it like that, and yeah. people will adopt yeah, it. No I think one they will, will. No one will be any the wiser. And if something's like very good, then it's some pumpkin spice. <laughs> uh, so while he's still like, oh, like I'll write a letter to Angelina since, like, for some reason I can't find her, get, get to her at her house or whatever. Uh, but then the woman who he's staying with. Miss Edwards. Yeah, brings brings a has a guest who's like this young woman, Miss Edwards, who he's like, oh, she's hot. And he forgets to write a letter to Angelina um, and is trying to court her. But is it his sister who they're staying with? The woman of the house where they're both staying, like, is on his shit and, like, won't let them be alone together and keeps interrupting before he can get very far. And then one day... The woman of the house is called away to deal with a sick friend, and the girl Miss Edwards is supposed to follow. Oh, wait, I forgot the part with the bull in the church. How could you forget the part with the bull in the church? When <laughs> does that happen? See, because it's right yeah. before that, I believe. Because this book, yeah, it doesn't have like a straightforward plot. There's it's just these instances. No, no structure to he, this plot. A bull, he's in church with Miss Edwards, and Angelina is in church, which is very strange because she doesn't normally go to this church. Uh, and then a bull comes into the church and is charging like, down. Like, wait, like, lest you think you heard wrong, a bull comes into the church. And as he's a charging bull charging comes into the church. Towards both of the women, and he's like, shit, which one do I say? You can only, it's, it's the classic it's like the Sophie's choice. Yeah, it's, it's classic, classic Sophie's choice. Which one of my two side pieces do I say? And he throws the one out the window, yeah, right? Yeah, he sees that Angelina has, like, moved out of the way. So he's like, oh, great. So he takes Miss Edwards and throws her out the window. They're, um, bo- they're both fine. Yeah. I thought one of them was for sure going to get gored, but they're both fine. Yeah. So he, but he, he, he knows that Angelina is going to be like, 
why did he try to save her and not me? Because we're supposed to be in love. So he writes her a letter at that point and is like, oh my God, I love you so much. I haven't seen you in so long. I was so startled by... No, doesn't he... Isn't he like, come meet me in this field? Come meet me at the spot where we first met. Oh, which wait, is like we also... We also missed a very important detail. Sorry, we're going backwards. When he's first with... What's his first girlfriend's name? Who gets pregnant and dies? Um, Adelaide. Adelaide. Yeah. yeah. Um, the spot where he deflowers her. There's like a side note from the author that's like, and it was on this spot, which has been pointed out to us many a time, as though this is like some sort of historical <laughs> walking tour. That's like, and here's the spot where Aaron Burr, which I just really liked. That I like. I hope there's a plaque there. Aaron Burr slept here. Parentheses. If you know what we mean. <laughs> So so now is the part that I was talking about before where like oh someone is sick, so the lady of the house where he and Miss Edwards is sisters. are sisters. Yes. Uh she goes there and she calls for Miss Edwards to follow, and he's like, I'll take her. And while they're on the road to the house where the sick person is, that is when he's like, We're gonna fuck in this field. And they pass isn't the field though the spot where he told Angelina to meet yes. him and he yes. like keeps showing up there waiting for her and she doesn't come and she doesn't come and he's like, Fine, then I'm gonna do get yes. the bones on with Miss Adverse. Which by the way, meet me in the spot where we first met without setting a time or day is like it's not great plan making, Burr. Yeah. Like you guys should just set a doodle poll or something. It's very right. before sunrise. <laughs> um so he He's like fucking Miss Edwards, who Miss Edwards is not into it at first. And then, of course, once he's so good at sex that she's like, oh, maybe I am into it. Um, and she passes out afterwards because of how good the sex was. Another reoccurring theme yes. in this book is passing it, women passing out from how good Burr is at sex. And then Angelina has come to meet him and saw him fucking Miss Edwards and is really mad. But then he's like, oh no, like, because I thought that you didn't, you hadn't shown up before now. So I figured like, you, you, love you me hurt anymore. my feelings. So I just thought I would like fuck this random woman to get rid of my feelings for you. But since you're here, like, let's have sex. So like right next to the other passed out lady, he has sex with this lady. And he notes that Angelina is much more into it. And she's much better at sex. Mm-hmm. And he likes it much more than he liked it with Miss Edwards. You're right. He did, he did tell Angelina the, the reason he saved Miss Edwards from the bull is he's like, she looked so much like you. I thought she was you. That's I meant to save you, but I grabbed her by accident instead. Uh, so... So, He's really good at thinking on his feet and coming up with yes. excuses that he, women buy with no protestations. Yep, nope. He took improv class. He's very yes and. <laughs> <laughs> yes and you're so beautiful. <laughs> yes and let's fuck. Yes and I... Yes and there was a bull. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> so Angelina also passes out from how good he is at sex. And then Miss Edwards wakes up and she's like, oh my God, why'd you have sex with her? And he's like, oh, because she saw us having sex. So I had sex with her. So she can't blackmail. Yeah, she can't blackmail you. She can't question your virtue because you could then question her virtue. Is it, did I imagine that there's something, there's a line like, I stopped her mouth by stopping her other end or something? Did I yeah. imagine that line? No, it's right here. I'll hide it for you. I have stopped her mouth by stopping her other end. Yeah. Wow. I was hoping I made that up and I did not. That's this whole book was like, I hope I'm exaggerating in my head how awful it is. And then I never was. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Not at all. 
Uh, so after he has sex with Angelina, like, he's like, fucking whatever, Miss Edwards. And he continues to see Angelina for a while. And she's still real good at sex, which he's into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he joins the army and he never sees her again. And then when he's in the army, he... The first... Which one is this? Is Miss Keating first or Miss W? With, with the Newfoundland one. Um, is that... It's the the... The widow, or it's the... the one where her husband's stepping out on her in New okay. Hampshire. It's Mrs. Keating, the side. Oh, piece. okay, Mrs. Keating. No, Mrs. Keating's the widow, and so he meets this widow, and he thinks she's really hot. So he oh, invites yeah, but, himself, and she she she's a widow, but she never had sex because right as they got married, her husband uh, got really sick, and so they yeah. could never do it. So he goes back to her house with her. And she has a boarder who's, like, asleep in the room. So they're just kind of like, ha-ha, let's talk. And the boarder wakes up and goes upstairs. And then right on the couch, he's like, let's do it. Uh, so they fuck. And then Miss Keating is immediately like, oh, I made a mistake. And then he's like, I guess I'll just fuck you again. So yeah, she's like, Yeah, she's like, my virtue's been ruined. And I kind of feel bad about that. And he's like, you'll be okay. And then he leaves. Yeah. And then is this? And then this is the one where he sets her up with his friend. Yeah, because then, then so he's like, "You're gonna be fine. You're gonna get over this, and you will someday understand what a gift my dick has been to you." And then yes. he leaves, and then he reads in the newspaper that she has tried to drown herself, and he's like, "Well, damn, I thought she was just joking about feeling really sad." <laughs> <laughs> and um, so then he, yeah, he goes to his friend who's a druggist and is like, "Hey, you're single, right?" <laughs> And the friend is like, yeah. And he's like, I want to set you up right now. And the friend is like, I can't leave because I have licorice in my shop. And my uh, my little boy. my little shopkeeper boy will eat all the licorice. And Burr's like, well, can he read? And the druggist is like, yeah. And Burr's like, I got an idea. And then he writes poison on the licorice drawer. And he's like, great. Now come see my friend. Problem solved. Yet another example of how this book just gives too many details about everything. It's like too and- many details. And they're all the most like batshit like, way to solve any problem. But also just another great example of Burr improvising. <laughs> So he he brings his friend to meet Miss Keating and like they hit it off, but she feels real guilty. So she eventually confesses to him that she did this thing with Burr and he She leaves. did not do this thing. She did the thing with yes. Burr. She did the thing with Burr and he leaves and she's like, oh no, he'll, he hates me. But then he comes back with a priest and instead he's like, we're going to get married right here, right now. And they do. That is how much he loves her. And there's like a little flash forward where it's like, and he Burr meets him in the street a couple years later. And, and Burr's like, like, you have a dope beard. He really is into this guy's beard. Yeah. <laughs> and also they have like a They have four bouncing, so, beautiful yeah. babies. Yeah. So really, Aaron Burr t- taking this woman's virginity against her will led to her happily ever after. Yeah. That's my moral for this book. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, when he's in the army, he finds out that there's a woman who her husband is a doctor and he keeps going on these like business trips or something to New Hampshire where he's stepping out on her. And so Burr like shows up at the woman's house and is like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but your husband's like, fucking around and she like doesn't believe him at first but then she does and then they have sex and they start having sex regularly by the way her husband's cheating on her in new hampshire that lawless state yeah 
And then everything is legal in New Hampshire, <laughs> as the saying goes. Live free or die. <laughs> and then they start having sex in her bed. Which, P.S., this is like, well, other than Miss Keating, which she does it with on the sofa, this is the first time he's had sex not in a field. <laughs> this is the, this chapter should be called The Discovery of Beds. <laughs> and then we have a really interesting sequence of Oh my gosh, this is my favorite part of the whole book. Where her husband comes home early and like, it, but doesn't bring a light into the bedroom. So he touches the bed and he touches Burr. And the wife's like petting Burr's head. Yes. <laughs> and the wife is like, oh, you're home early. And he's like, wait, your voice is coming from over here. What am I touching? And she's like, oh, it's a dog. Guys, there are so many, <laughs> so many logic holes in this. First of all, how is it that this husband is petting the head of Aaron Burr, who, if we're going by 1700s, probably had his hair cut very short and would wear a wig over it. So he's probably not wearing his wig. Probably has very short hair. So he's petting this, like, pixie cut. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my wife must have gotten her hair cut while I was gone. Like, first of all, that makes no sense. Second of all, he, she, yeah, her voice is on the other side of the room. Third of all, I have never touched a human head and been like, is this a dog or is this a human? It's like those games when you're a kid at Halloween and you're like at a church carnival and you have to, like, reach into the bag and they're like, these are eyeballs. And you're like, these are peeled grapes. It's like, no, dog human. <laughs> Different. That was a terrible analogy. No, I, you understand, yeah. right? Thank you. Yeah, I you just would, like you would never... there was no logic. I cannot imagine any scenario in which I would close my eyes and touch a face and be like, "Is this a dog or is this a human?" There are fundamental and anatomical differences. Sorry, that was my dog rant. Okay, just been... like between an eyeball and a grape. <laughs> So Burr, like, pretends to be a dog and grabs his clothes and leaves. And doesn't he, like, actually, like, the guy's like, what's this? And the woman's like, oh, it's a Newfoundland. And Burr's like, (laughs) makes actual dog noises. (laughs) But the guy's like, I don't think it was really a dog. So Burr confuses him by opening and shutting the front door, making it sound like he left through the front, but then secretly going out the back and jumping the fence and going into the first house he finds where a woman is, like, up late sewing, and he's like, oh, like, I'm an officer with the army, and some British people are chasing me, some Tories are chasing me, you have to hide me. He's like, your neighbor is a Tory, right? Yeah. Because she's like, oh, fuck, my neighbor, I would have <laughs> never known. She's so mad that her neighbor is a British sympathizer. Yes. So she's like, oh, of course you can hide here. And when the neighbor comes and knocks on the door, she's like, oh, no, like, there's no one like that here. And afterwards, he's like, oh, like, thanks so much for hiding me. And she's like, oh, my husband doesn't like British. He's, he doesn't know if he sympathizes yet with the American cause or the British. So I can't tell him you're here. And then, like, as yeah, that's why. gratitude, they have sex. And then her husband wakes up right. because the sex is so good, she knocks over a table. And a Dutch oven. And a Dutch oven. And she's like, oh. If I had a nickel for every time in the throes of passion, I have tossed a Dutch oven asunder. And her husband's like, what's all that noise? And she's like, oh, a cat bit me. And so then Burr pretends to be a cat. But she's saying the cat bit me, like, as she's orgasming. And it's, yes. like, written in the text that she's like, this cat, ha, ha. And it's terrible. It was so upsetting. And then he meows, and the husband's like, this seems real. And I was, 
And I was worried because um, the husband is like, ooh, like, I should drown that cat, like, tie a brick to her neck and sink her in the river. And I was like, no, don't kill a cat. Like, even though there wasn't really a cat. I was like, what if he, like, finds a cat and, like, revenge drowns it? But he didn't because she convinced him that the cat was nice. No, Burr and his improv training convinced her that (laughs) that he was an actual cat. Well, that, but then she convinced the husband that, like, she wasn't mad at the cat. Okay, okay. Yeah. So does the nun come next? I think so. Sister Catherine? Um, Yeah. Yep. His adventures at a convent. Yes. And he's in disguise. Yes. Yeah, he's disguised as a priest, goes in this convent where the... The mother superior is like the screen that keeps the women and men separate has uh, conveniently fallen down. And he's like, oh, no, that's terrible. And all the women are like, all the nuns are like ogling him because they're nuns. And so they've been pretty starved for men for a while. Yeah. And one of the nuns in particular, who's real hot. And uh, real curvy. Yeah. She's the one he keeps going on about how curvy she is. She is regretting her choice to join the convent because she hasn't had sex in two years. And, and like Well, and didn't she join the convent to get revenge on the like boyfriend who wronged her? Yeah. Or he was like sleeping around or something. Something like that. And then she's like, I'm gonna join a convent and then she's like, Oh no, this means I can't have <laughs> sex. I've made a huge mistake. And has got, she's so crazy from not having sex in two years, which this may verge into TMI, but there have been times where I've gone two years without having sex and I have not like lost my shit around anyone else. But we'll save that for another (laughs) time. She's so crazy with not having had sex in two years that she like essentially jumps him. Um, and they have sex first outside a couple times, and then... Because he has forgotten about the existence of beds. Yes. Well, also, because he has this whole thought of, like, well, I know that, you know, women and men can't go to the same quarters, but, like, surely nuns must go outside. (laughs) So... And then he But aren't they also, like, super loud, and she's like, it's fine. We hear weird noises in the convent all the time, (laughs) which is another, like, what? Yes. (laughs) So then he sneaks her through the window into his room, and they have sex a bunch more times. And she's really hot, and he's really into it. I just want to read what she says specifically. Um, This is not a full on dramatic reading, but I just really want to. Oh, my heart. Oh, my soul. Oh, my God. To think what I lose by remaining in this cursed convent. Oh, my dearest, most blessed man. Oh, sweet man. Oh, blessed man. Oh, heavenly man. And man is in all caps every time. (laughs) If you didn't hear it in my pronunciation, man. (laughs) So she's into it because he's a man. Yes. Um, And then what comes after the nun is the... The 14-year-old. Okay, yeah, Which is the point that I had to put this down (laughs) and just be sad. Because, yeah, then he's Actually, like, she's not quite 14 years of age. Oh, it's the Romeo and Juliet thing. And he, at this point, I looked it up because oh. I was like, I mean, not that this makes it any better. She's still 14. But he's, I think, either 19 or 20 at this time. Um, and I get it. Like, the times were different. Yeah. And age was but a different was thing. Still, she's still a 13-year-old. I felt minorly better because in my head, I thought that so much time had passed that he must have been at least, like, 35. Um... 
but it still is gross. It is oh. not. That does not. That's the other thing about the movement of time in this book, how, like, his entire first, like, 17 years are three paragraphs, and, like, his last 30 years are about three paragraphs, and then all the space in between is, like, several months when he's 19 years old. <laughs> like, time time does not move cohesively in this book. Cohesively is not the right word. So he's... Logically. Saying, I don't know. Yeah. Time is an issue. Evenly. Time is a flat circle. Yes. <laughs> Um, we should add that to our drinking game. I feel like you say that a lot. (laughs) Um, so he's staying with, like, a general or something. General Moncrief. Yes. And... Major Moncrief. He, the general is also hosting the daughter of a British general who's come over from Staten Island who, like, just, I don't even remember what the reasoning is that she's staying with an American general, but she is. Uh, and the very first day, Burr sits across from her at breakfast and is like, oh my god, like, she's so hot and smart. She's very smart. Yeah, this one, he was very into how, how brainy she was. This is the telescope one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm laughing about an unrelated musical. Um, <laughs> so at night, he's looking through a telescope and she comes up the stairs and he tries to talk her into staying there with him. And looking with him through the telescope, but she's like, oh, no, no, like, that's not allowed here. Like, you can't be alone with me. That would be against the rules. So, like, they have this weird kind of, like, uh, propriety off where he's like, oh, well, then I'll leave you with the telescope. And she's like, all right, then, like, I'll stay here. And, you know, back and forth about who's going to go to bed and who's going to stay with the telescope. And he finally leaves and he's pissed about it. And then the next morning, he's thinking about how he's going to get revenge by showing, like, what a good guy he is to other women. But she has preemptively... <laughs> the best revenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she has preemptively moved seats. So he's sitting next to someone else. And he does charm the shit off of, out of her. But he still, like, keeps looking down the table at this 14-year-old girl. Like, is she watching? Does she see me flirting? Like, does she see how great I am? That sentence is so upsetting to me. He keeps looking down the table at this 14-year-old girl. Like, on every level, that just makes me upset. And later on, she stops him in the hallway and she's like, look, I owe you an apology. Like, I was actually really into it last night, but I felt bad about it. So I punished myself by making myself not sit next to you. But, like, I am really into it. Um, so he's like, oh, cool. I'm into it too. And they arrange a trip to a field, of course, a field where they like spend all day looking at flowers and then fuck. How does he not have like burrs or burrs? (laughs) (laughs) But like the tick situation in colonial America, when you are, I just, there's like a house episode where the like the the what's the word for the 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 climactic discovery of house is that the woman has like a tick up her vagina and I've been really upset about that ever since I saw that and I kept thinking about that while they were like doing it in all these that. fields you. you're welcome um yeah I think about that quite a lot in terror <laughs> and I kept thinking about it during this book and being just like oh it's not it's not good <laughs> Like so many, so there's so. I mean, I guess I guess in the 1700s beds were like bags of straw, so that wasn't a whole lot better. There was also probably ticks in the bed. I don't know. I was stressed about the bag situation. (laughs) So he has sex with her in this field, and she also is real good at sex. Like she catches on real quick. Um, And the next night, 
She she sl- slips sleeping pills, a sleeping drought into she drugs the guard. The guard's wine so that he'll fall asleep so she can sneak into Burr's room to have sex with him. And then she continues to sneak into his room to have sex with him for the entire length that he's staying there until it reaches a point where he's like this is getting kind of weird and he tells the general whose house it is to send her home by making up some excuse about how she's so smart and so much smarter than you would think and curious for her age that she actually is probably a British spy. So the general sends her home and he's like, well, that's that. That was the sound of (laughs) dusting dusting your hands off. I guess that's more of a visual than audio (laughs) cue there. Unless you thought a horse clopped back. Um, that would be if we had a coconut. <laughs> this is maybe an upsetting question, but they made such a big deal about that telescope. Was anyone else waiting for the telescope to be used in, shall we say, an unholy manner? Like, I kept waiting for that to come back. So when I was reading it, I wasn't. But then when it got summarized just now, I was like, the telescope incident. I was like, that sounds like he fucked her yes. with a telescope. I mean, the thing is, his dick is so good. Like, why would <laughs> he ever use anything else? <laughs> right. I feel like if this was written today, he would definitely fuck her with that telescope. Yeah. But back yeah. then, just his dick was real good. And that was all they really needed for the erotica. They didn't need to spice it up yet. Yeah. Um... Who, who does he fuck next? <laughs> who doesn't he fuck For a while, like, they talk about the actual war. Yeah, and then there's a, a literally, like, a cut and paste section from someone else's memoirs talking about the war, which is, like, like plagiarism. And also, I just like that this, whoever this writer is, was like, I'm not actually interested in the history. I just want to write the sax. Like, someone else can take care of all the actual, like, info dump history here. This is a rando girl he meets in the woods. Um, she's the one who... This is the one that upset me the most. Who had the beauty of spot that promised joys and raptures that can't be described. Yeah, even almost more so than the 14-year-old, because at least she was super into it. But there's this woman who he meets on the street, who he, like, tricks into coming with him, and then gets her in the woods, and, like, she is the one who struggles the most, and is the most, uh uninterested in his advances and gives the least consent of all of the women who he fucks. And then when she gets upset about it, he just fucks her again. And... But he's Aaron Burr, so clearly any woman who would protest their interest in him is really just trying to cover up the fact that they really want to be with him. They're just trying to protect their virtue, obviously. And I feel like for most Obviously. (laughs) Um, Okay, I think you'll find... He found he met this young girl several times afterwards and found her pleased with his attentions <laughs> until he left that post and went to join the main army. Like, I, I feel like she, because I feel like for most of the other ones, like, they do give a few more sentences about how they were into it. And for her, like, it really, to me when I was reading it, and it might have just been, like, at this point, I had read about him fucking so many women that I was just, like, just, done. Yeah. You hit a point of emotional exhaustion. Well, I don't think this girl even has a name ever. I think she's just the young girl. There's a bunch where he just, like, kind of meets women in passing. Like, I think coming up, there's one where he, like, is when he's um, trying to take over Mexico and their headquarters <laughs> are 
and this island and he like rows back from the island and there's just these hot women on the beach that are like you're so strong you rode that ocean so well and he's like thank you and I was like you're gonna get it on with all of them and then he didn't <laughs> but keeps you on your toes man <laughs> yeah so then they like the war happens and it's over and they summarize like his whole life after the war between the time the war ends and like through his vice presidency through the death of Hamilton up until and the duel is in here for like two sentences. Well, yeah. it's all of the chapters. So all the chapters have that very like Victorian heading where it'll be like an adventure at a convent. Burr meets a nun. The lovely sister Catherine. Like it'll have like three highlights of the chapter, and then this last chapter, it's like Burr removes to New York. Uh, marriage of Burr. Death of Hamilton. Mrs. Like it's just like it's like trial and acquittal. Burr goes abroad. Death and burial of Aaron Burr. Conclusion. Like it's like okay, okay. Slow it down a little bit. Um, so... The author is just clearly not here for any any real history. They're just really interested in the, in the sex. Yeah, so, like, fast forward through his entire life until, like, he's on this island with, like, his buddy and his buddy's wife, who he thinks is hot. Where they're um, plotting that he's going to take over Mexico, right? Yeah. Yes. And he convinces the woman that he's always loved her but he didn't say anything because his buddy was married to her and he's just so taken with her that he has to have sex with her and she's like yeah I'm into it and then they do a lot and then he gets found out which is why all those fake charges about him trying to take over Mexico yes were made up and so of course he was not guilty fake treason and then after that, there's, like, two sentences. <laughs> he, he went to Europe, and then he died. The end. Also, I'd like to point out, I think <laughs> we all read this on, like, the Indi- University of Indiana Commons or something, and mm-hmm. there are not only numerous spelling errors in it, but a lot of places where there's a spelling error, which is then, like, like struck through in, like, the like Microsoft Word kind of strike through with then the correct spelling next to it, which, like... I, I didn't understand. I'm like, just... I think this is the transcript, because you can also get a PDF that's, like, a scan of how it was printed, and I think they're maybe trying to replicate, like, the actual printing oh, errors. See, I was like, just just clean it up, man. Because, yeah, because I accidentally downloaded this PDF that's really hard to read, because it is, like, um, we'll link to this, but I'm, I'm oh, showing wow. them yeah. in person. Oh, it is, a like, a scanned book and so I think they were when they transcribed it they just included any kind of like printer's errors or whatever that's fun I was very confused by all the strikethroughs so at the end of the book after those three sentences about how he went to Europe and then died there is a list as we were saying before of all of the other books in this series and I'm just looking at it very quickly now but there's not like a ton that are about like specific people like there are some but a lot of them are just really vague but this is definitely like the only name that i recognize yeah because there is like um kate montrose or the maniac's daughter but like kate montrose was not a vice president (laughs) uh harriet wilson or memoirs of a woman of pleasure i mean there's one just called aristotle i'm interested in that the erotic (laughs) adventures of aristotle (laughs) Oh, yeah, we should look into that. <laughs> all those. We know a lot of classics majors. <laughs> all those, those young boys nude wrestling in ancient Greece. 
There's one called The Gay Deceiver, which I'm, is not what it, there, there was not that. So I but. understand that the word gay has a different usage until very recently. But there were a couple of points in this book where there would be lines like, she was uninterested in the advances of her yes. husband and he, they found her to be a gay woman. And I was like, oh, like, I want that to be something. Like, it was so perfect in, like, the modern usage of the word gay and they didn't even know it. And it's like, what a masterpiece you've... I also was, honestly, I was waiting for him and some dude to go at it. Or at least for, like, some sort of three-way situation to happen. And it never did. And I was kind of disappointed with that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> not enough. Well, not enough queerness in this Yeah. Book. I mean, I feel that way about most books. <laughs> um, that, like, that list of... We were talking about this earlier. That list at the end of all the, like, other books in the series makes me think that this was, like a babysitter's club or Harlequin romance book packaging situation in the 1860s. Right. Well, they're called rich, rare, and racy reading. Attention is called to the following catalog of cheap publication. (laughs) Wait, there's one called The Loves of Byron, His Intrigues with Celebrated Women. Oh, fuck yes. Except I feel like that would be be much less. Well, there should be men. That's probably also much less fictionalized than Aaron Burr. Yeah. Yeah. These books Um, are got up different from anything of the kind ever offered to the public. Oh, they are all handsomely illustrated with colored plates. Wait, where are the handsome illustrations of amorous intrigues of Aaron Burr? Hang on, let me pull up the PDF. Let's just skim through If I miss illustrations, actually that was maybe a good thing. (laughs) I don't know if I want illustrations for this book. I don't think this one has. At least not this edition that's been scanned. That's disappointing. Unless they're all at the end or something. Yeah, um, I'm sh- I I think we'll probably put the book cover up still. The book cover that they made for this book is upsetting. <laughs> like the modern reprint. I don't know yeah. what the original cover was. Probably not yeah. this. No, so I you know. <laughs> so I went looking because I'm not a great e-reader. I went looking for a physical hard copy of this book and what I found on Barnes and Noble and then also some like small press that has taken it upon themselves to bring this book back into the public eye is a very upsetting cover, um, which, should, should I describe it and then yeah, we'll put it on it. the website? I, I need to look at it, really. I sent it to my sister um, recently, and she was like, I don't think the, I don't think the anatomy of that woman is quite correct. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think anatomy was anybody's um, priority when they were illustrating this. So the background of the whole jacket is an, what I think is an American flag from the time. Um, and then you have three naked women sketched in pencil hanging up a very frightening looking portrait of who I assume is like Aaron Burr as an elf king like he looks very like upsettingly skeletal and elfin and has this terrible widow's peak and it's these three naked women who are all kind of like perched upon the stripes of the flag hanging up this portrait and then there's one woman on the back cover with a cannon who's just like full on, full frontal, just staring down the artist. Like literally really. just standing there with her hands behind her head and everything An unflinching out for you gaze. To see. There's a lot of pubic hair on this cover, more than I would say I've ever seen on a book cover before. <laughs> Which hey, maybe that's another. Well, the cover maybe not, but pubic hair. That's a pubic hair is mentioned a lot. A yes. lot. So the least fat, shamey, and there's pubic hair. That's two whole things. <laughs> this, the first one's positive. I don't know about the second one. 
I could have done with a little less pubic hair in this book. But it's nice. It's nice always it, when people are not repulsed by pubic yeah. Sure. And he's into it. But <laughs> I was going to say, it was something about perhaps the particular phraseology surrounding oh, the pubic hair that yeah. got me so upset. Speaking of particular phraseology, should we go ahead and move into our dramatic readings? Let's go for it. Just give you all full doses of Um, burr. Okay, so the first one is, oh, when he uh, has sex with Miss Edwards and then she passes out and then he has sex with Angelina. And she passes out. And I'm going to read burr slash the narration. And Mackenzie is going to read Angelina, and Renata is going to read Miss Edwards. He laid her on the grass, and she sighed heavily. He hastened to tear open her bosom and apply his lips to those ivory globes, whose fragrance fairly maddened him. He threw up her dress, and then she became suddenly aroused as if a serpent stung her, and would have cast him off, but he was the stronger of the two. She tried to scream, but the sound died away in heavy sighs and choking sobs. She smarted a moment and gave a low shriek, but soon the most thrilling raptures entranced her. She forgot all prudence, all shame, and only knew that she was wrapped in... Elysium. Elysium. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Dissolving in a sweet flame of transport. She threw her plump limbs over him strained him to her bosom, and both were alike eager in tasting all the bliss they could seize. Just then, a gentle step on the green sward, green sward, sure, (laughs) might have been heard. Had the lovers been less intent upon devouring each other with kisses and amorous struggles? A beautiful maid was on the spot. She heard sighs and tender words rapturously expressed. She came around the corner of a high bush and beheld a scene that transfixed her to the spot. Burr turned his head and Angelina Dudley stood before him. She, poor girl, had but just received the letter written by Burr and had hurried to the appointed place, only to find her devoted lover administering comfort and Consolate. I think it's supposed to be consolation. Oh, see, that's one of the crossed out things. Oh, okay, consolation. Typo. To a, 18th century, 19th century typo. <laughs> to a rival beauty with all the zeal and vigor of which he was capable. Finding himself fairly detected and that his duplicity must become manifest to both of the young ladies, Burr finished his business and, starting up, said to Angelina, Come, my dear, now it's your turn. Lie right down. Such a douche. Angelina stood gazing at Burr and his companion, the latter being at last sensible of the presence of a third person. Adele, that's Miss Edwards, hastily adjusted her clothing and regained her feet, but feeling that her reputation was compromised, she sank back upon the earth in a swoon. Was it for this that you sent for me? Said Angelina to Burr. Oh, is thus that you mock me to my too, too constant love? This feels like doing Shakespeare. <laughs> she covered her face with her hands and wept. I mocked you not, said Burr, but so long a time had elapsed since my letter was sent that I despaired of hearing of you again. I supposed myself deserted for some happier man, and though I loved this lady who lies before us on the ground, 
I loved not this lady who lies before us on the ground, yet my thwarted love drove me mad, and as my pent-up passions must have vent, I merely used this girl as one would use a common stroller to cool my blood. Having utterly despaired of hearing again from you, what better could I do? Miss Dudley listened and was glad to believe that Burr spoke the truth. She permitted him to toy with her bosom until, overpowered by her feelings, she sank lifeless in his arms. In another moment... Wait, can we just talk about the fact that he just, like, motorboated her into a circle? just happened there. In another moment, she lay upon the ground, and he had forced the gate of love. He had driven away all impediments, and Angelina, in her turn, experienced those first raptures which so overcome the virgin heart of woman. Burr found Miss Dudley far more warm and animated than Miss Edwards. He tasted the sweetest draft he had ever known, while she swooned away with the agonies of untold bliss. Just as this passionate couple reached the climax of enjoyment, and while they breathed fast and loud, Adele recovered from her swoon, and raising her head, saw Angelina struggling with bliss in the arms of Burr until she fainted with the excess of pleasure. Miss Edwards bounded to her feet, and as Burr regained his, she confronted him with staring eyes and pallid lips. How, how is this? What girl is that? Is it thus you prove your devotion? Your constancy? Hush, my dear, cried Burr. You now perceive that your reputation is safe. Yon fainting girl, who discovered us by sheer accident, would have made the whole country ring with the news had I not stopped her mouth by stopping her other end now and then it's not in the book but there's a little parenthetical wink there (laughs) (laughs) now you perceive (laughs) burr high fives the reader (laughs) (laughs) now you perceive that you have have you have her reputation in your power and you both stand on equal ground she cannot tell of you nor can you tell of her. I saw that there was no other way to ensure secrecy, and therefore I had recourse to this method, though I can assure you that I have done it wholly on your account. Thus I have saved your good name. And we'll stop there. (laughs) So I thought while you were reading that, I know this is an erotic novel, (laughs) and I still think they they used the word penetrate and, and also the word climax too often and too unnecessarily, <laughs> even for even for erotica, there's too much unnecessary penetration here. <laughs> okay, next up we have the bit where the bull comes into church, and Mackenzie is going to read the narration, and I will read Burr speaking. All listened, and the service was suspended a few moments when a mad bull rushed furiously in at the open door and passed down the aisle of the church. Many rushed from the building, and among them Mrs. Reeve. Great was the confusion. The bull bellowed and tossed his horns. Some ran up the pulpit stairs, and others fled to the doors and windows. In the melee? Melee? How do you say that word? Melee? Never actually said that out loud. In the melee, Aaron Burr found himself standing near an open window between Angelina and Miss Edwards. Both of these young ladies looked to him for protection, with fear and anxiety vividly depicted on their countenances. The bull was plunging directly towards them. There was time to seize one of the young ladies, lift her up, and thrust her through the window. (laughs) Burr, say again, thrust is another word that gets an excessive workout in this. 
Um, thrust her through the window. Burr must instantly decide which of them to save. Now it's like a choose your own adventure novel. <laughs> In this dilemma, our hero perceived that his chances with Miss Edwards was sacrificed forever if he gave Angelina Dudley the preference. Accordingly, he caught the former in his arms and put her out the window, where hands were ready to receive her half-fainting form. Angelina, giving her supposed lover a look of astonishment, sprang over the railing of the altar and just escaped the horns of the enraged animal. Burr himself was knocked down and slightly bruised, but sustained no other injury. Perceiving that Angelina was safe, Burr turned toward the bull, but the discharge of a couple of muskets in the hands of men from outside settled the whole affair by giving the cause of all this trouble his quietus. It appeared that nobody had been hurt by the bull, though clothes had been torn and clambering out of the way, and several ladies had been seriously injured by the fright. Chapter 4. My gosh, it's so much reading. When Burr retired to his chamber on that Sunday night, he could not help reflecting on the events of the day, and particularly upon his conduct towards Angelina. What must she think of his neglect to save her from imminent danger, from his desire to protect another? Had he not shown her plainly that he had forgotten her, and worst of all, would she not suppose that he despised her for the bold step that she had taken in conferring her partiality, I'm like running out of breath, for a young man which she felt before he had spoken to her? Holy shit, what even is that sentence? She shall not think that at any rate, said Burr, and before retiring to bed, he sat down and wrote her a long letter. He protested that, in the hurry and confusion of the moment, he had mistaken the young lady whom he had saved for Angelina, and the former was an individual towards whom he was entirely indifferent, while for Angelina herself, he, was enter he entertained the most fervent love, the most entire devotion. Without you, I shall be entirely miserable. Without you, most beautiful of women, I live in a barren desert, joyless and desolate. Meet me, if you care for my happiness, for my life itself, on the very spot where I first encountered you. I promise to be prudent. Only let me hear again from your divine lips that I am not an object of indifference to you. I need not name the day, for I shall be there every day after three o'clock till you come. Burr put this letter in the post office and waited four days for an answer, visiting the place of assignation every afternoon. It's also another thing about this book is there's just too many details in much like, like it's like when you write, you have to cut out some of the trivialities of like daily living and movement that you're not going to be like, I stood up, I walked to the kitchen, I turned on the sink, I got a glass out of the, you know, like you, you cut some things down, which does not happen in this book as evidenced, I think most strongly in the, the poison licorice scene yes. where he's <laughs> like, do you have, he's like, I can't leave. He's like, why can't you leave? He's like, cause of my boys. Like, why? Cause of your boys. Like, cause he eats my licorice. Well, where's your licorice? It's in this drawer. What drawer? This drawer. This drawer here with the licorice in it. It's like Cusco's poison. Poison for Cusco. Too much. <laughs> yes. Correct. Sorry. I was just thinking Correct about that. As, as I was reading those like long bonkers sentences, I was like, this is too, this is too many details. I don't need to know all these things. Well, maybe they were getting paid by the word. It's, that I, seems like one logical explanation. <laughs> all right. For the last one, um, this is when Burr pretends to be a cat to avoid detection by a random woman's husband. And uh, I'm going to be Burr and the narrator again. Mackenzie's going to be the husband and Renata is going to be the woman. Flat. Uh, not the cat. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it burned us the cat. There is no cat, <laughs> Renata. I know, but the cat That's noises. the trick. <laughs> You're so stressed about this cat that's going to get drowned. I am. <laughs> Fake cat. On land. Oh. 
The amorous young woman was enjoying inexpressible transports such as she had never before imagined. In her ecstasy, she overset a chair, which, in its turn, knocked down a Dutch oven that came rattling upon the stone hearth. The noise aroused the husband, who cried, Come, my dear, do tell me if you are going to set up all night. The entranced creature did not reply in the hope that he would fall asleep again, but he immediately called out again, Sally, Sally, have you got asleep? No, uh oh. <laughs> cried she. Wait, we need to clarify. That's actually how it's written. This is not Renata's top-notch Tony Award-winning acting. This is what is called for in the script. You'll you'll hear more soon. Wriggling with intense pleasure in the arms of Burr. No, oh, oh. I am not asleep. Asleep. No sleep. Oh, oh, sleep. Why don't you come to bed? He demanded. Yes, yes, I'm coming. Um, coming. Yes, What's the matter with you? <laughs> the cat has bit my finger and it hurts so. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it sounds as if you were going into a fit, like the hysterics. Oh, yes. It feels husband bounded out of bed, the young woman had experienced the final keen agony of joy, and by the time the good man had put on his breeches and began to descend the stairs, she had sufficiently removed her senses to cry, scat, 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 and to chase Burr with the broom, who, imitating the squall of a cat, ran to the front door, which the young woman opened hastily, and Burr darted into the street. When Mrs. G returned to the room, her husband was there. Now, don't let that cat ca- ever come into the house again. If you do, I will tie a brick to her neck and sink her in the river. Mark my words. But let us see where she bit you. Oh, it was nothing. Only I felt vexed at first. No, you don't speak the truth, for you are writhing and twisting your stem one way and another as if you felt dreadfully, just as one does when they can't stand still for the pain they are suffering. Well, well, look at it then, cried she, having bitten her finger slightly so as to start the blood. Vengeance! The creature has left marks of her teeth, for I can see him as plain as day. Well, the brute creature don't know any better, Silas, so let it pass. Silas looked at his wife, whose cheerful manner was more like that of a person who was filled with the sweetest delights than one who had received a bite from a cat, and said to himself, The woman is very happy with me, that is certain. It takes me to render a woman happy. Is this the the husband that has been established? No, this is... This is just a random husband. Yeah. This so a random woman but he we fucked. Can, we can imply, based on his befuddlement upon hearing her, uh, at, like, climaxing, and also that last line, that they have never actually had sex, right? At least not, not so pleasurably. <laughs> I mean, they might have had sex. I don't think she's ever come before. <laughs> Side note, Mackenzie, I would like to give you seven gold stars for your old-timey newscaster voice. Thank you. I don't... <laughs> But no, you know, I just, I was really feeling it. I just, I, t- I try to commit to the characters, let them lead me. Absolutely. I felt it. I'd also like to say that, like, we talked about, we've talked about this as being, like, old-timey fan fiction, and as we read those sections, it reminds me so strongly of the fan fiction I wrote when I was, like, 14 or 15, which I just 
uh, unearthed from the depths of an external hard drive and was like posting on Twitter in chunks where I would write passages like that where it's like, this was before I had ever uh, been intimate with another human (laughs) and had no, like trying to describe something you've never done before. And so it was all like those nonsense words, like the passion of their fire met with twined and tangled. Like it's just (laughs) nonsense words. And that's what all the sex in this book is. Yes. It's like, it's like not just like, that it's old timey fan fiction, like the the sex scenes even read like fan fiction written by a fourteen year old. Yes, yes. And not to not to shit on fan fiction. I love fan fiction, and there's some really great stuff out there. Um, but the fan fiction I was writing when I was fourteen was not good. Yeah. Um, and neither is. <laughs> I was very quick to say that. That's not what I meant. I meant <laughs> your fan fiction is terrible. Specifically, specifically not. I, I meant the fourteen year old part. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Would you rather? Yes. Time to play Would You Rather. That's what happens next. Thank you for knowing what happens next on our podcast. (laughs) You're welcome. Would you rather fuck Aaron Burr or catch your partner cheating on you with Aaron Burr? Catch your partner cheating. I, this Aaron Burr, I would want nowhere near me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess while I would not want my partner to cheat on me at all, let alone with this creepy Aaron Burr. Uh, I guess I would rather know that that was happening so that I could end it. Yeah, like, if you have a partner who's go- going to cheat on you with Aaron, like, you don't want to be dating that person Yeah, exactly. Anyway. See, I think what happens is I find my partner cheating on me with Aaron Burr, and then Aaron Burr's so seductive that now it's a threesome <laughs> with Aaron Burr. Yeah. Or your partner faints, and then Aaron oh, Burr yeah. is like, Renata, it was actually you. I was looking for you. You just look so similar. Yes. And you're like, oh, Yeah. So, real. so I choose that scenario. I choose a threesome with it's, Amber. It's really not a, a would you rather so much as it's a both. All of the above. Yeah, just. <laughs> All right, how about would you rather fight off a random bull that attacks you in church or fight off the advances of Aaron Burr? I would really like to, like, pepper spray this guy in the face. Yeah, I can see myself, like, kneeing Aaron Burr in the balls much more easily than I can see myself attacking an actual bull. Bulls are very large. They are, and they're very aggressive if they're in a church filled with people who are shooting at them, I imagine. Plus, that scenario implies that I have gone to church. (laughs) Yes, that is also a good point. I would have to actually be in a church for that to happen. That has not happened in many a year. All right. So, well, and especially if we're all teaming up, like the three of us can fight off Aaron Burr pretty easily, I think. Yeah. Unless he seduces us. <laughs> we all and then it's a force. <laughs> Just goes down the line. <laughs> How about, would you rather watch a musical based on this book specifically, or watch a musical based on Fifty Shades of Grey? No. (laughs) I know that there was a touring musical. It was like a musical parody of Fifty Shades of Grey. I think it was called Spank! Exclamation point, if I recall correctly. I love a title where you also have to read the punctuation. (laughs) Yeah. Spank! (laughs) Uh, I didn't see it. But it exists, so it has that going for it, I guess. See, for me, the real deciding factor would be who wrote it, because because if Lin Manuel Miranda Malloy. writes horny, <laughs> horny <laughs> burr, I'd be like, wow. Well, if right, if uh, Lin Manuel Miranda or Dave Malloy wrote either of them, 
it would be real hard. I would have to probably see both of them. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we're talking just subject matter. It would also depend on the tone of Veronica. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because if it was like. Veronica exclamation point. Exactly. <laughs> so I wouldn't want to see a. Oh, man. I wouldn't want to see a serious version of either of these. Which I would want to see whichever one has a shorter first act so I can mm-hmm. leave it in remission. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go with Fifty Shades because I feel like it does sort of have a plot. So there would be songs that were not just people fucking. Whereas I feel like nothing really happens in this except fucking. So every song would be people fucking. And that would probably get grading after a little while. There could be a really... As if it wasn't when you were reading it. Um, There could also be... Um, I'm thinking of the the musical Thoroughly Modern Millie where they have the speed test song where they're like typing out the letter tap dance number and they're getting faster and faster and faster. There could be a really great song like that where they're uh, typing out the sex contract with Christian Grey and Excellent. he's like reading yes. the contract yeah. and it gets like progressively faster and faster and they're all tap dancing to it. That's what musicals need more paperwork. Yeah. Hamilton really started there a little bit. There was a mm-hmm. lot of paperwork in Hamilton. Yeah. But more paperwork, I think. The Fifty Shades musical could also have, you know, how um, Miss Saigon famously has the helicopter. I think, uh, <laughs> I think Fifty Shades could really take helicopter musicals to the next level. <laughs> that said, I'm seeing Veronica exclamation point because I just think any way you slice, I think that's going to be hilarious. Like whether it's sort of intentionally funny or if they're trying to do this seriously, I think either way, I'm going to get more laughs than at Fifty Shades. Wait, I just had a crossover idea. What if you perform it in an open field or some sort of outdoor amphitheater so that you can get multiple helicopters in, and then also Burr is getting it on in the field? Oh. Yeah, like, you know, in the summer summer sec where they have alternating, like, nights. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In rep, Fifty Shades (laughs) and Veronica. Perfect. All right, and then we're going to play a quick round of uh, Fucking, Marrying, Killing, which, of course, we play in tribute to Bill O'Reilly, who has lost all his book contracts, actually, so maybe... um, Maybe the secret does work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we still play this game in homage to him. And so uh, our three contenders for Fucking, Marrying, Killing are Burr, as portrayed in the musical Hamilton, Burr, as portrayed in Barotica, and the actual real-life Aaron Burr, as best we know from actual history. Can I go first? Yes. yes. Okay, this is crazy, but I think I would fuck Veronica Burr only because there's so much hype in this book about how good he is at it. That, like, if I was not taken against my will, I would rather... Yeah, that would be... Yeah. Veronica Burr, and then I would marry musical Burr because he's handsome. He's handsome. And he has the best song in the musical. And in the musical, he does really love his wife. Whereas in life, he seemed to love her, but was also getting a little on the side. And then I would probably kill real life for... I'm the same. Same. Hey, I thought I was going to be controversial. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like Veronica Burr, going by this, he's very good he at sex. He knows his way around a lady. So, like, the mountain of Venus. The sanctum sanctorum. If I'm going to be having sex with a dude, it might as well be someone who I know in advance is really good at sex. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, real life, Burr, I mean, like, was old-timey people, they didn't have Cosmopolitan Magazine, they didn't have anything to teach them these tips. It was so, also a weirdo. Yeah, and, very yeah, strange. All of this. All right, now it's time for Reader's Advisory. 
where uh, it just occurred to me, I like, did we, were we correctly using our gerunds for that game? I feel like I got distracted. You did great. Great. Great gerunding. <laughs> Thank you. That's what <laughs> we also told Burr. Uh, yeah, Burr had really good gerunds. Great gerunds. <laughs> Okay, anyway, uh, Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest books to read instead of or in addition to this book. You can cut out Jaren's corner. <laughs> nah, leave it in. <laughs> That's what people come to worst bestsellers for. Um, one thing that occurred to me when Mackenzie was saying this is like a choose-your-own-adventure book is I was like, A, I wish this was one, and B, oh yeah, there is choose-your-own-adventure erotica. So maybe that, as you know, if you're looking for some literary erotica... I just got one from the bookstore, so I don't think it's out yet. It's a galley, but it's called My Lady's Choosing, and it's a choose-your-own-adventure Regency romance novel, Ooh. and I've read the first couple sections of it, and it's very charming. Ooh. In college, because a lot of my friends in college were classics majors, we got one from a used bookstore that was like, it was. I think it was just called The Classics Professor, and it was choose-your-own-adventure erotica, where I think you were a student seducing your classics professor... Or you were the, oh, you were the professor and you could choose to seduce a student or like all this other stuff. Anyway. Is there a scenario in those erotic choose your own adventures where like it doesn't work out where you like try to seduce the person and you like pick the wrong move and they're like not into this. And you're just blue And then you get, you get reported to the academic board for improper contacts and your, your teaching license is suspended. Is that one of those scenarios? I mean, that would be it if I wrote it. <laughs> I don't recall. We'll have to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we've mentioned like a million times, just read Hamilton fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you need to know where to start, hit me up on Twitter. I can probably help you out. Also, if you have any um, recommendations for us of the only novel we want to read based on this Hamilton craze, which is the John Lawrence coming of age novel, please also let us know. I mean, well, I don't really have any. Most of, most of them are more in the way of, Yeah. People are writing good shit on the internet, um, but yeah. But are they know. writing? Are they writing John Lawrence coming of age novels? No, it's much more John Lawrence fucking Hamilton novels. That's what the people want, also. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, which is, I will, I will say uh, the the stipulation that I will give is hit me up if you want links to Hamilton fan fiction. But I don't read a lot of Hamilton fan fiction about Burr, but I know a lot of people who write it, and it's pretty good, or so I've heard. So I can still, you know, point you in the right direction if you want to be in the room where it happens. Yes. Yes. Uh, also, if you want to read about real life Burr, who is kind of a sad weirdo. Um, The Heartbreak of Aaron Burr by H.W. Brands is a really good Burr biography. There's also one called um, Fallen Founder, The Life of Aaron Burr that I can't remember the author of, but she calls herself an unapologetic Burr apologist, and she's very into, like, reforming his image and being like, he wasn't kind of a sad weirdo. So if you want a more positive spin on the Burr. (laughs) Um, Also, I would recommend, if you don't want to read the... um, Cherno biography of Hamilton that everyone's reading that will take years off your life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a graphic novel called Alexander Hamilton. I think it's just called Alexander Hamilton by Jonathan Hennessy. And so you can spend um, several painful months with the Chernow book, or you can spend one very pleasant afternoon with the, the graphic novel of Hamilton. And I would recommend that. Um, some First of all, I just looked up Fallen Father, and the author is Nancy Eisenberg. Thank you. Who also wrote White Trash, that book that came out more recently that... I wanted to read about, um, well, about white trash in America. And 
uh, you know, class and race and whatnot. So that's not at all related to this, but I heard it was good. I don't necessarily recommend reading this book, but we previously did a podcast episode about an erotic short story called The President Did Me From Behind, and I liked it. And maybe listen to the episode if you were looking for some more awkward discussion of erotica. Yeah. About, um, that was Lincoln? Was it Lincoln's? No, it was a made up president. Oh, you're right. There is a, there is a Lincoln one that we didn't do though. Yeah. And our episode about Chuck Tingle too. Yeah. The other option for a reader's advisory is, so I originally found out about this book because of the Tumblr, like I mentioned earlier on which someone was talking about this or quoting from it or something, and some other Tumblr user had commented and said, where's the sexy, porny biography of Alexander Hamilton? And then someone else commented and said he wrote it himself and linked to the Reynolds pamphlet. <laughs> um, so you can also just read the Reynolds pamphlet yes. for other old-timey, porny biographies. <laughs> Perfect. Um, we'll also link to Smart Bitches Trashy Books, which is a really... Um, smart and funny mostly romance novel review website they wrote a review of amorous intrigues and adventures that was pretty funny so we'll link to that you can check that out as well as just the full text so you can just click on through i think this is worth it's like a funny skim like if you skim it until the first sex scene don't read the whole thing though yeah yeah don't read to the part where she's 13 and there's a telescope no please stop before that yeah but you should listen to Ghost Quartet, which I think I recommended in the last episode that we did for no reason other than the fact that I like it. And telescope. it's a musical by Dave Malloy. Yeah, that was what put it in my head. And there is a telescope. But not in a, well, I guess metaphorically the telescope. It's a, it, just listen to it. It's really it's good. metaphor, Hazel Grace. And kind of <laughs> confusing. Sounds great. Uh, <laughs> so, Ringing endorsements. <laughs> well, listen, I would follow Dave Malloy into hell. With only mild complaining. <laughs> uh, you drank bourbon for him. I did. I did drink whiskey for Dave Malloy, and I vaguely regret it, but I did it. <laughs> All right. So if you want to see these books and maybe some other ones that we didn't uh, get around to mentioning, check out worstbestsellers.com. Uh, the Reader's Advisory tab for this episode. You'll find all the, all these treasures awaiting you. And uh, now it's time for our candy pairing, where just like Dave Malloy will suggest a whiskey to go with your <laughs> musical experience, will suggest a, a candy to go along with this book. Uh, mine was Smarties, because uh, they're not as flavorful or exciting as you remember from childhood, and you'd much prefer something sweeter and more refined. Mine is poison licorice, but it's the opposite of the book, where in the book it was licorice, but it was labeled poison. This is actually poison, but it's been labeled licorice. <laughs> and you get tricked into thinking it's going to be like, it's not like my favorite candy, but like, I like licorice, okay? And then it's like, oh no, I'm dead. But then it's okay, because you don't have to finish reading this That's book. true. That's <laughs> Um, I picked Sour Patch Kids because um, I always buy Sour Patch Kids and eat, like, one or two, and I'm like, yeah, this is what I wanted. And then every one you eat after that just gets worse and worse, even though it's the same candy. They just get grosser and grosser, but you just keep eating them, which was my experience with reading this book. Side note, uh, we did um, DIY bath bombs at the library the other day, and we bought citric acid because that's part of the bath bomb recipe. And all the kids were like, citric acid, can we just eat it? And we're like, no, just make your bath bomb. And they're like, 
no, it's good. And we're like, no, it's probably bad for you. And they're like, no, there's all these YouTube challenges where people just eat citric acid. And I was like, what are the youth doing? This is completely unrelated, but I was watching this show called Curious and Unusual Deaths. And there was a guy who died because he liked making fireworks and he also liked chewing gum that he would dip in citric acid. And the firework compound that he was working with was also a white powder. And he dipped the gum in the wrong powder. What? It was pretty, I mean, I sound like a terrible person for laughing, but yeah. Oh my God. Anyway. Anyway, also that's what they put on the outside of Sour Patch Kids or it's in with the sugar. Anyway, you can buy it on the internet and make bath bombs with it or eat it. And that- <laughs> Don't do any of those things. Or make better life decisions. I can't give any advice about making good life decisions. Um, but I can play around with the rock, paper, snicked. The game where I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And Mackenzie will choose which most enhances the, the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. All right. Uh, if Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be attending the church service that got interrupted by the bull attack, which is a thing, as you might remember, that actually happened in this book. Uh, he would fight the bull single-handedly, wrestling with it and chasing it outside. Burr would be so transfixed by this show of strength that he'd forget about pursuing both Angelina Dudley and Adele Edwards and instead would try to seduce The Rock. The Rock would be into it because Burr is like super hot and super good at sex in this book. Uh, and they go on to have a lot of consensual sex and that would be the rest of the book. It would just be erotica about Burr and The Rock having sex. Mm, I'm into it. Uh, well, if Wolverine were in this book, he would be out in the woods for just some solitary man pain time, but he'd overhear the protests when Burr forces himself on Miss Edwards at the beginning before she gets into it, when she's still saying no. He would intercede on her behalf and cut Aaron Burr's dick off with his claws, which would end the run of Amorous Adventures pretty early on. Guys. This is as difficult a choice as Aaron Burr faced when deciding whether to save Miss Edwards or Miss Dudley from the bull. Um, both of those are magnificent, and I would have read either of those before I read all of this book. I I like The Rock because there was that article that came out pretty recently that was like, here's how to not sexually harass women, just pretend like they're Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which really amused me. But I have to go with Wolverine only because of what I mentioned earlier, which is that I just really wanted somebody to kick Aaron Burr in the balls and chopping off his dick is actually better. Um, So I'm going to go with Wolverine. And then also this book would be significantly shorter and I would be a much happier person. (laughs) Well, and then there could be a sequel where just Wolverine and The Rock have sex. That's true. I like that too. (laughs) And if a bull tried to interrupt them, they would just fight the bull. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's how we play the Rock, Paper, Snick to the game where everyone wins except for Aaron Burr. And now what do we think the moral of the story is? My moral of the story is that there has always been fan fiction. My moral is very similar, which is kind of goes back to my core philosophy about history, which is that people throughout history are always the same. 
And we are always writing a weird real person fanfic and self-insert fanfic. And that's something that we have been doing for as long as there was people. And people don't really change. My moral is this would be better if it were a musical. All right, now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will share his opinions about the book. Wait, is this going to be actual Duarte, or is this going to be Aaron Burr pretending to be Duarte? <gasps> oh, how will we know? Because he's so good at making animal noises. <laughs> Get the broom ready. You're right, Duarte. I think that if there was an actual cat in the scene, it would have added like this extra element of drama um, to what was actually going down in the house at that time. Uh, but I, I do think that probably the house, the cat should have gotten out of the house very quickly so that he would not be subject to that woman's weird husband. I also like Duarte's suggestion that this should have been Aaron Purr. <laughs> Have you seen- I'm just so sorry for that pun. <laughs> Have you seen the Hamil cats on Tumblr and it's all the Nico Atsume cats but drawn as Hamiltons? No, Hamilton but I cat. think we should probably link to that. Yeah, it's the most important thing on the internet. Uh, and Duarte loves it too. Uh, Duarte, I do think, um, I love the idea of a cat charging through church instead of a bull, but I'm just, I'm not sure it would have quite the same effect as the bull. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. Well, thanks so much for reading, Dorothy. We'll let you go back to your nap now. Uh, do any humans have any closing thoughts? Fan fiction is much better now. I mean, not all of it. Yeah, I was going to say. There's still a lot of really crappy things, but, you know, on the list of things that I think would get published today, probably would be some of the better stuff. I love fan fiction. Like, that's my closing thought. I love fan fiction. I think it's so great, except for this. And except for any fan fiction that involves... Um, non-consensual sex slash rape. Yeah. I love the University of Indiana for putting this freely available on the internet for all to read. Yep. And I do think it's worth, if you want kind of a weird look into this piece of history that we all, especially I think it's interesting that comes in like the 1860s, which is from there to like the end of the the century was sort of like this stiff, forthright, sexless time, the way that we portray it in our history books anyway and so it's interesting to read erotica from this time I think as upsetting as it is um because we sort of I guess we feel like every generation every new generation feels like they invented sex and they invented erotica and they invented like sexual pleasure and were defying their parents in embracing all those things when really like porn is as old as people (laughs) (laughs) well if you have enjoyed listening to this and you want some more uh breakdowns of awkward erotica or other things that we read also uh you can like us on facebook where we're uh facebook.com slash worst bestsellers or you can follow us on twitter where we're worst bestseller with no s because the s is for some pumpkins (laughs) (laughs) and so we let them have that uh, we also have a Goodreads group where we discuss these books. Uh, you can find that linked from our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And if you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it pushes us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easy 
for people to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review, we might have to send Aaron Burr after you to your house and, you know, let him know that you're a young virginal woman who really, like, looks good in you got, period costume. You got great feet, kid. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers, where you can pledge a small recurring monthly donation that goes towards things like paying our editor and buying new equipment and paying for books that we have to buy for the podcast. And by pledging, you also get some cool perks that you can see by going to that website. Yeah. Uh, if you want more of me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at Renata Snacks. And that also gets you some pictures of Duarte once in a while. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at 14across. I mostly just post pictures of my face. Sorry. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter and the Instagram at the Mackenzie Lee. Mackenzie is M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I. And Lee is L-E-E. Um, don't put the E on the end of Mackenzie because that is a porn star. Um, <laughs> Perfect. Which actually, I'm yeah, brand. thematically goes really well with this book. Um, I talk a lot about the things I write, which is um, my newest book is called The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue, which is an 18th century uh, queer road trip novel. And I have a book coming out in February called Bygone Badass Broads, which is short essays about incredible women from history who did not have sex with Aaron Burr and instead <laughs> uh, changed the world. Um, and so I talk about history on Twitter a lot. I talk about writing things on Twitter a lot. And also, there are quite a few pictures of the beautiful golden retriever that lives in my apartment. Yes. So fluffy. So fluffy. Such a good girl. <laughs> Yes, and before I always get the order of words wrong, badass bygone broads. Bygone badass broads. Before it was a book, it was a hashtag, and you can. It still is worth just uh, reading, reading tweets to get short pieces of information about historical figures, because you know books are long. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has time to read a whole book. I mean, absolutely, I will read this book when it comes out. But in the meantime, like check out our Twitter. It's got good information. Again, unlike this book, which has nothing good. <laughs> I'm glad that was, instead of being like, tied yourself over to the book, you were like, don't spend money on our friend's book. Just read it on the internet. I didn't mean it that way. I... It's okay, I understand. Don't worry. There's some exclusive content you can't get on the internet that's in the book. Plus, there are these really beautiful illustrations by Petra Erickson, who is an illustrator I worked with on the book, and it's worth buying just for the illustrations. Yeah. I intend to buy several copies just to cut them up and wallpaper my house in her art because it's <laughs> so beautiful. Perfect. So, yeah, look for that in February. Um, but in two weeks, you can look for a new Worst Bestsellers episode Yay. when we'll read The Christmas Caramel Murder by Joanne Fluke. And maybe we'll make some Christmas caramels yes. or something. That'll be a great... Uh, <laughs> A great element for the, the listening home yeah. audience. Yeah, you I can. love the cooking section of every podcast. Yeah, you can't actually hear us talking because our lips are just stuck shut with caramel. <laughs> Throw in a few visual jokes to go with it. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, Mackenzie. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everyone else, for listening. Bye. 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 Wow, that was like three-part harmony. (laughs) Nailed it.
Bless you. Thank you. Renata sneezes like a kitten. 